Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school, and that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome to today's show, everybody. Uh, today is going to be a part two, but to be honest with you, um, I really don't know what I'm going to talk about. I have a general idea here because we're doing a part two on stress. And there's a lot that you know I thought I was going to cover that then I thought you know it's probably not really going to be that useful. And so I really wanted to talk just a little bit more about uh, stress because like literally we could probably do you know, a whole podcast on this where every episode is an aspect of stress. But I think there's some things I want to say a little bit more about stress and especially around the mindset of stress, which is really my work. I, I don't know that uh, many are, are aware of this, but I've mentioned it in a couple places. I am considering and we'll see if this happens. I'm currently in the process of applying for a PhD uh, program in psychology. Now, a lot of people go, well, Jade, why would you do that? And the truth of the matter is I have not completely made up my mind about this because I am one of these people who does my own self-study constantly anyway. So I constantly feel like I'm in school and I don't necessarily know the value anymore of, you know, doing this in a traditional way. But I'm also someone who is fanatical about uh, the idea that we humans need to be aware of what we don't know. We don't know. And education is a proving ground for things that we don't know we don't know. I want to be a true expert in my space, not because I want popularity and status, but because I want truth. I really want to understand why we fail so often and what can we do as humans to live productive, healthy, fulfilled lives. To me, that's what Next Level Human is all about. And it's partly, partly the reason why I've moved away or at least balanced out my expertise in metabolism with more mindset-oriented stuff, which is something I've been studying my whole life. It's funny, I oftentimes tell people uh, when they talk about you know, deep conversations about my purpose and what my true expertise is, I realize I'm known as a metabolism guy and I guess you could niche that down further and say, well, I'm a female metabolism guy, right? In terms of that was a lot of what I did in my clinical work. Um, but my true expertise, I believe, is in personal development and psychology because that is actually what I've been studying the longest uh, in my life and where I think my true gifts lie. And so that's partly what this is about, you know, in terms of perhaps going back and getting my uh, PhD in psychology just because I want to do this lifelong work and have some real questions that I feel like the scientific community is not addressing 
and also have some real questions about the idea that the scientific community can't address everything and that there is a component of spirituality here and different aspects of things that we just don't know and maybe can't even uh, necessarily explore adequately through science. Now that brings me to this discussion of um, stress and the idea behind two aspects of this. Last time we talked an awful lot about physiology, right, and biochemistry and just mechanism and hopefully some good tattoos in terms of what you should be doing in terms of exercise and how short and extreme stress might be better than extreme long stress or moderate long stress and how very low long stress might be better as well. We talked about several different mechanisms there, but one of the things we didn't adequately address, at least from my perspective, is this idea of eustress um, and this idea of perception and how we see the world and how us uh, seeing the world a particular way or having particular experiences in our lives can perhaps set us up to be more or less resilient to stress. And this really is what I, uh, I think I'm pretty fanatical about in terms of being a better human. Um, think about it this way, right? Aren't there people who you know when you are around them that they just make you less stressed, more comfortable? And not only that, not only can other people bring your stress levels down and make you feel safe and secure, but there are also people who, through the way they live their life and the way they, they live their philosophies, make you change your perception around hardship in general, right? Um, you know, we've had philosophical traditions going back since antiquity that essentially tell us that um, stress really is a perception. Hardship is kind of a perception. And we have modern day research telling us that there are really three things that determine success in terms of a fulfilled successful life in, in terms of being productive and effective in what we choose to do with our lives. And that is what other people believe we can do, what we believe about ourselves, which is really interesting, right? Because that right there tells us that it really is about how we think about ourselves and we can never escape how other people feel about us. But then perhaps most interesting to this discussion or most salient to this discussion is the idea that how we handle fear, hardships, failures, and setbacks. So research actually shows that when you can see fears, hardships, failures, and setbacks as growth opportunities, as opportunities to get stronger, um, you kind of take some of the stress away. And maybe even further, when you begin to tie those fears, failures, setbacks um, to your uh, purpose and why you're actually here, and perhaps even deeper as a very philosophical, you know, sort of spiritual sort of, you know, perhaps out there for many of you idea. What if everything that we encounter, these obstacles, these fears, these failures, all of these things, what if in some weird spiritual way, what if they are actually required and perhaps even um, presented to us or uh, we subconsciously seek them out? to learn the lessons and to get the things that we need for our spirit to grow and feel enhanced. Like, what if that's the whole point, right? And what if you could switch your mindset around and actually go, wow, this is a really interesting way uh, to look at this. For example, you know, some people, when you look at successful people in life, and let's just define that, you know, really quickly, because 
I want to be clear because uh, I don't think it is and maybe it's not certainly clear when you're listening to me because you know, right now in my life, you know, we'll see where I am in five years from now, but right my, now in my life, many of you might look at me and say, wow, Jade has had a ton of success. He makes a lot of money. He's got, um, you know, lots of followers and, you know, he does this podcast and I listen to it and he's really just seems to have a lot of success and money and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's cultural success. And what's interesting to me is the more success I've had culturally um, with certain things, uh, the more I realize that's not what a successful life actually is. A successful life is really about um, humbly recognizing that you are here and have certain strengths that you can bring to bear on the world that make a difference, not just for yourself, but for others. And to do that consciously and intentionally and to set goals around that and say, I want to do these kinds of things. And it's never truly selfless. And that's what I think people misunderstand about things like purpose and stuff like that. It can't be truly selfless because a spiritual uh, sort of mindset and a spiritual um, orientation towards life always must include self and other. I mean, what is spirituality if not the recognition that we are all connected? And if we're all connected, that means you are as important as me and I am as important as you. And therefore, when I'm thinking about purpose, I must simultaneously take care of myself and take care of you. Like, isn't that the whole point of spirituality, which often makes me think a lot about some of the things that we have going on in our culture today, where there are what I would call uh, people who are spiritual in language only. And this is a term I've been using a lot lately, and uh, I'm not aware that anyone else has been using it. So I gave it an acronym, and I call it SILO, spiritual in language only. And when you are spiritual in language only, what essentially that means is you say things like we're all connected and you say things like kindness is the most important thing and you say things like we all need to look out for each other. But then when you have the opportunity to help some of the weakest of your own species, you don't show up like I know people who, you know, they won't they'll put a, a, a they won't step on a, a spider they find in their house. They'll put it outside or they won't swat at a bee or they will avoid stepping on an ant. Yet when they have the opportunity to give to their fellow humans and perhaps, uh, you know, save the weakest among their fellow humans or make a difference for the weakest among their own uh, humans, they don't show up in a very spiritual way at all. In fact, perhaps in the opposite. And this becomes something that I think is salient here around this idea of stress. And I know it can seem a little bit odd here, but... I think it's an, it's an important sort of thing to, to look at here. Uh, and so let's talk first before we get into that whole discussion about the orientation and perception around uh, stress and how you can create a stress buffer or a stress shield around how you show up in the world. Um, let's first talk about this idea of you stress because I do think what I'm talking about here with this perception orientation around stress and seeing it not as a bad thing, but perhaps as the most important thing to get you to purpose and fulfillment in life, I think this, that encompasses you stress. And you stress is defined as, in a sense, positive stress. It's stress that grows you, that makes you stronger. And as a species, and I would say, you know, uh, as uh, an ecosystem across the world and through evolution, uh, we humans and every other thing on the planet must have encountered difficult things that we needed to adapt to and through that adaptation process we got stronger and increased our survival 
uh, potential uh, and percentages. And this is why we're all having this conversation today. Uh, for, and, and we would discover things along the way that would increase survival potential. For example, you know, we all know uh, the Darwin sort of theory of survival of the fittest, which is kind of taken out of context, you know, oftentimes with these complex sort of theories and understandings, you know, to break evolution down into just survival of the fittest kind of loses a lot of what uh, this is about. And certainly with humans and uh, particularly Homo sapiens, a lot of people don't know this, but we are not the only species uh, of, you know, advanced primate you know there was homo habilis there was homo neanderthalis there was you know um uh homo erectus there were homo sapiens and there's others and one of the things that uh evolutionary anthropologists and uh people like uh, that study uh, the history of human evolution and the history of human socialization and all of these kinds of things are starting to point to is that uh, it probably wasn't survival of the fittest for us. We um, we somehow lasted, whereas Homo habilis and Homo neanderthalis and all these other uh, cousins of ours perished. And what we think that was about was not about us killing these people and dominating them, but rather cooperating with each other and with them. And, you know, we all know, uh, at least anyone who studies this knows that almost all of us have, well, we do. I think we all have Neanderthal DNA, which says that we actually mated with Homo Neanderthalus and perhaps others as well. But we also cooperated. And through that cooperation, we have to now, this understanding is changing the way we talk about this as survival of the friendliest, not survival of the fittest and when you think about this just for a second i mean many people have this orientation that humans are generally flawed or generally bad but think about this for a second we have the largest population of humanity ever we're approaching eight billion people humans on this planet homo sapiens on this planet right now and yet we uh now sort of understand that we are in the most peaceful time in the history of men now this confuses people a little bit because you know, we have news on every corner. And so we hear all the bad things that are happening. And certain, uh, certainly, since we're all more connected, uh, bad actors in one area of the world can really impact the entire world. But, but when you think about this, and by the way, if you want to know where this research is coming from, there's an incredible book on this um, called Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker, which lays this out, uh, in my opinion, uh, without, uh, I mean, just the case is, absolutely case closed in a sense that we humans uh, are living in the best times ever, the most peaceful times and all of that. Now, of course, there's ups and downs in humanity and we have some real challenges now, but we are probably more likely to be called survival of the friendliest, not survival of the fittest. We are more likely to cooperate rather than, uh, you know, kill each other. Um, and this, to me, is what we really need to be focused on because there are these different orientations now in life where, uh, you know, there is a certain segment of the population who is filled with paranoia and filled with this idea that there's nefarious actors in every shadowy crevice in the world and they're coming to get you and they're going to put chips in you and they're going to do all this kind of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong because people oftentimes think, well, Jade, you're, you know, you're naive and uh, perhaps... Perhaps I am. I mean, I think we're all naive in some regard. And certainly I do think 
They are nefarious actors. There's no question about it. That's why I talk about base level behavior all the time. However, I think there are more benevolent actors. And more to the point, I think that your orientation towards that, if you really believe there are nefarious actors, what will you do? Well, if the natural tendency when you feel like you are under attack is to protect and perhaps to attack yourself. And isn't this what we are seeing? So what we need is far more people assuming humans are benevolent, far more people living the philosophy of benevolence, not the philosophy of malvolence, right? Not the philosophy of base level, not the philosophy that everyone is out to get us. Because in a very real sense, when you show up and live a particular philosophy, you influence people around you. And then they are likely to pick up that particular philosophy. And we can see this happening. When you think other people are out to get you and you use demonizing and dehumanizing language to the other side, you see real schisms begin to happen and you can see real changes in the world. And that to me is what's happening. So when I talk to my closest friends, who I have differences with, by the way, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, disagreements. And those are my favorite type of people. Those are the kind of people I want to date. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. Those are the kind of people that I want to talk to and engage with. I want benevolent, loving humans who disagree and want to solve real problems. And this is why uh, I think uh, we have to be very careful about this because our orientations towards life changes other people's orientations towards life. And the more people that have a nefarious orientation, a malvolent orientation, a Machiavellian orientation, a narcissistic orientation, a psychop psychopath type of orientation, the more narcissists, Machiavellian types, psycho psychopaths and nefarious people begin to show up. And so what we need is we need you know, warriors of light, you know, we need peaceful warriors, we need benevolent humans, we need humans who see the good and aren't trying to say there's conspiracies on every corner, but are still willing to point them out and say we can do better. And that's sort of what we're talking about here. So this orientation, to me, is a, a primary uh, aspect of you stress. In other words, I think we're going through this right now. So think about this. You stress. Here's an example of you stress in the physical uh, capacity. You go to the, do a workout and you do that workout. You use some weight and you push your muscles and you get breathless and you get burning and you stress and you strain. And the body goes, OK, that was a stress that did not feel good. Now, it wasn't too much of a stress. You only spent 20 minutes in there, 40 minutes. I can handle that. Feed yourself well. Get some rest. I'm going to make those joints stronger. I'm going to make them more uh, resilient. I'm going to adapt. Your muscles going to get stronger, bigger, faster, right? This is what we do. Now think about this. Now think about you go through a breakup, you lose a, lose a loved one, you have to confront coronavirus and the whole world has to confront, you know, a pandemic and you have to confront stress and strain and political strife and all this kind of stuff. Now think about what happens there. Some people do that workout, that workout and they get injured. Some people go through these psychological stresses, grief um, and loss and the pandemic and the media and all the frenzy and all the fear and all this kind of stuff. And they become degraded. And as a result, they become more fearful and attack more and protect more and stop being friendly and start being nefarious. In other words, they move from survival of the friendliest, which would be the next level human way of looking at it, to survival of the fittest. Hey, it's Dr. JT here, just breaking in real quickly. It is 
time to talk about one of our sponsors, our earliest sponsor, Cured Nutrition. This is a CBD company. Cured Nutrition is another one of those next level human companies that is doing amazing things in the world. Let me tell you a little bit about one of the things I've been doing with CBD here recently. There is some really interesting research showing that chronic cannabis users, these are people who are smoking marijuana, are actually down-regulating the cannabinoid 1 receptor. Well, guess what the cannabinoid 1 receptor is involved in? Well, it's involved in cravings and hunger. And there is some really interesting mouse research that shows mice given products that lower CB1 or being engineered with a lower CB1 activity actually eat less and are not obese as a result of that. And so I have been experimenting using CBD to lower hunger to downregulate the CB1 receptor just the way chronic cannabis users tend to be very thin. It has been working very well. Now, of course, the other thing that I use this for and have used it for, for since day one is uh, Cure Nutrition has a product called Zen that is a mix of magnesium and CBD and some other really nice formulations in there that I use to help me sleep. I have notoriously bad sleep. My sleep still is not perfect, but the Cured Nutrition product Zen has made a big difference to helping me sleep better. And that is just huge. Now, of course, they have other products. They also have a product called Rise, which I do not use, but I have used in the past. It is great for those people who like to have a pick-me-up in the morning to focus better. So Zen and Rise are fantastic, but any of their CBD products used for downregulation of the CB1 receptor to help with hunger and cravings, if you're one of these people who is constantly overeating and on a diet you find that, hey, when I'm on a diet, I get this crazy sort of hunger and cravings, this may be something you want to check out. So check out CuredNutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. I get a kickback to help us have these discussions on the show. It's a great way for me to be able to do this work. So thank you for Cured Nutrition for that. Of course, Cured Nutrition gets the sale and you get to work with a fantastic company that gets results with their supplements. I hope you will check them out. CuredNutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. I wanted to take a second to cover one of our sponsors and tell you all about Paleo Valley at PaleoValley.com. These are the grass-fed sticks that I tell you all so much about that all of my friends know I have on hand constantly. They are in my car. They are at my house. I keep them at my sister's home and my parents' house. I have these things everywhere because they are the simplest, most convenient whole foods protein supplement you can get, almost like carrying around pure protein, low-carb protein in your pocket. They also, these Paleo Valley beef sticks, are the only, the only 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef sticks on the market. They use organic spices. They are naturally fermented instead of using nitrates and nitrites that can be a problem in some of these cured meats, and they simply taste fantastic. Check out the original or the jalapeno. Those are my favorites. Please make sure you go over to paleovalley.com and visit. When checking out, use the code NEXTLEVEL for a 15% discount. Remember, 
Our sponsors keep the show going by you giving them your patronage and spending your money on these high-quality products. You actually do a few things. One, you're helping to support the podcast. And two, you are helping your health. And three, you are making sure that good quality companies like Paleo Valley can be out there doing their business, changing the world, making the earth better. One of the things you may not know about this is that grass-fed organic and grass-finished beef is doing something that is so utterly important for our environment, actually helping to repopulate the topsoil. A lot of people don't know this, but our topsoil is being extremely depleted and raising animals especially cattle the correct way helps to get that topsoil back this is one of the reasons why i love paleo valley not to mention it tastes fantastic but they're one of these companies like my other sponsors cured nutrition and organifi that are doing the right things by the environment i really appreciate everything they do and i hope you will check them out thanks so much paleovalley.com use the code next level and now back to the show And even the most friendly, beautiful, loving humans can do this. I've seen it. I know them. I've seen some of these people who they wouldn't hurt a fly, yet they think that, um, you know, the world is going to end and they need to protect themselves and someone's putting chips in them, right? Now, I look at it like whether that is happening or not, let's just forget about this idea that yes, it is or no, it's not or any of this kind of stuff. Let's just go, What is the choice that you want to make? What is the thing that you want to see in the world? This is a very old idea, by the way. It's popularized by the Gandhi quote, be the change you want to see. But if you study philosophy, it's been there thousands of years. And certainly Thoreau in Civil Disobedience, who uh, influenced Gandhi and influenced uh, Nelson Mandela and influenced Martin Luther King, which would be, you know, sort of the modern day, uh, you know, sort of uh, embodiments of this idea of be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, This has been around for a very long time. But philosophically speaking, when we have people do that, we win. We can see it very clearly. Look at what these people have accomplished and look at what happens when you take a different route. In other words, to me, the history is clear here. The history is very clear. There is one way to do this. It is to show up with love. It is to show up believing and having faith in humanity, what we call a humanist, the belief that humans are generally good that most people want to do the right thing and that when fear hits a lot of people will be degraded so just like that workout can wound some people and make them never work out again and protect themselves that same workout can make other people stronger and it is an orientation right it's like well maybe it did hurt me but i'm gonna get back on the horse i'm gonna figure this out and it's the same thing as we look at the psychology of humans confronting personal issues personal obstacles and confronting cultural obstacles and the pandemic in my mind is a perfect opportunity look how much is going on people are losing loved ones there's grief people are are breaking up uh losing romantic relationships there's grief people are in strife people are hurting other people People are doing this and there's a most people are sitting there looking and saying, what do I do here? Do I go left and become base level and protect or do I go right and say, I believe in humans. I believe that people are looking out for each other and however this happened and whatever the problem is, I don't care about that. I'm just going to show up and be the love and be the antidote to asshole and 
figure this out and live in a way that trusts humans and do what I can not to be a link in a chain that causes more psychological dysfunction and more fear and more nefarious actions. And to me, when you orient this way, now you might be thinking, well, Jade, I thought we were talking about stress. But to me, when you orient this way, this becomes the ultimate stress buffer and stress shield because all of a sudden you have direction you have a strong why you know what you are doing when the shit hits the fan when the personal shit hits the fan and when the cultural shit hits the fan you show up and you be the love right this to me is the idea and when you do that and this is what I would like to study and this is what I'm most interested in looking at when you do that you influence other people to do the same. And when you do that, you feel a sense of I am making a difference. You feel this idea that you are in alignment with universal truth. Now, what's sad to me is a lot of people don't ever get to feel in alignment with universal truth. And when you are in alignment with universal truth, it's this selfless, Thing There you go. I know that I might get hurt in the process or this might not be the best thing for me or I might lose some certain things, but it's not about my physical X, Y, Z. It's about my spiritual growth and more important, it's about how I contribute in a positive way to the positive to the positive evolution of the world. And this orientation protects you in a sense. Now, we have a word for this, but it's overplayed. Uh, and a lot of people don't understand it. This is what purpose is. Purpose is a lot of things, and purpose can be brought to bear in many situations. And what I mean by purpose is a lot of things. I, what I really mean is you can bring different purposes to different things, like one purpose would be when you're with your family and you're having political discussions and there's strife, your purpose can be, I'm going to be the love. I'm going to be the extreme moderate to bring these people. That's one purpose. Another purpose could be, you know, I teach X, Y, Z. Like for me, I teach health and fitness, right? I teach the four jobs um, of a next level human. I created the next level human. I also try to show up when I walk into coffee shops and go out to eat. I try to show up and elevate people. That's a purpose. Anytime you have a conscious intention to do a thing that you believe you uniquely can do, you are doing purpose. And there are many different ways to bring purpose to the world. I bring purpose to a coffee shop. I do. I bring pur purpose to when I'm out grocery shopping. I bring purpose to when I wake up in the morning and interact with my little puppy. I bring purpose when I'm with my lover and me and her are together and we get to have, um, you know, a day together or a week together or time together. Same thing with my family. Same thing when I meet strangers. And yes, of course, same thing when I go to work and I teach and I do this stuff. It's the whole reason I'm talking to you right now. And this comes becomes a stress shield. Now, this is what I want to talk about here for a second, because we always talk about this physical stuff, right? And biochemical stuff. And we don't talk about what the hell are we doing here in the first place? And what is stress in the first place? Stress is anything that throws you off balance. And 
the recognition out of that is that when you begin to try to restore balance, there are lessons and insights learned that then you can adapt with. Now, is that always the case? No, sometimes stress overwhelms you, but there are always lessons. And here's the interesting thing. The lessons you learn in the stress you overcome serve you in the stress that you cannot overcome. For example, one day we will be on our deathbed. And one of my favorite illustrations of this is a freedom fighter in the Polish army in World War II named Witold Pilecki. His story is not told enough, but this was a guy who volunteered to get thrown into Auschwitz concentration camp, lived there, almost died several times, escaped, fought against the Nazis, then fought against the Russians. And when the Russians finally got him, and by the way, this was just someone fighting for his country and what he believed in, freedom, basically, from his point of view. And when he was lined up and shot, he said, on this day, I meet death with joy because of the way I've lived my life. And the, the actual quote goes like this. It, it, it goes something like this. I'm going to butcher it, but it says, um, I lived my life in such a way that on this day, I can meet death with a smile or meet death with joy rather than fear. And imagine that in a sense. Imagine being able to go to, through the most stressful time that all of us will go through. Your deathbed, right? Not just losing someone else, but losing yourself. And imagine you're all alone. And imagine you're facing a death squad. And imagine having lived your life in a way where you are so proud of what you did. And you are so practiced at confronting fear that you stand there and you essentially go, I'm going to meet death with joy. I am proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I did and I will smile and then boom, it's done, right? Imagine that. That's the power of stress. Here's another thing that would be amazing for you to look up. Um, I was blown away by this and I don't know this person's name, but it's part of my research for the Next Level Human book. This was, I think, at the beginning of the Vietnam War in 1964, I think in Shanghai or some city uh, in, in Vietnam, I believe, maybe it was somewhere else, that a Buddhist monk walked out into the street, had his other Buddhist monks douse him with alcohol, lit him on fire in the middle of the street, and this was being recorded. And this guy did not twitch. He did not move. He did not scream. And he did this on purpose. And what does on purpose mean? You know, quote, on purpose. He did it for a very particular reason. He did it for himself and for the world. And he was uniquely suited to do it and probably had been training for it for a long time. And that image and that video can be found. And it went all over the world and it drew attention to things in a way that had never been drawn attention to before. And this was someone confronting a horrible death for most of us voluntarily as a result of being on purpose. And this is what I mean by this. This, this power is something that we humans have. It is a stress shield beyond anything else. And perhaps the key to life and longevity and happiness and fulfillment, if these people, in the worst of times, facing a death squad and facing and burning themselves alive in the middle of the street to make the world a better place can do that, then certainly we can show up in a loving way 
in a friendly way, in a purposeful way, with the, the difficulties that we have in our personal life and in the cultural world right now. And you might think this doesn't translate over into other things, but it most certainly absolutely does. I have a story in the health and fitness world very early in my fitness career. Well, not too early. I mean, I had been training, but this would be like in medical school. So I personal trained in undergrad and then medical school. And I met this woman. She walked in and I was the one who, you know, greeted her at the desk and signed her in. And she pointed behind me and she said, that picture behind you, that's me. And when I turn around and look at the picture, it was a before and after picture. So it was her four years ago or so, uh, very overweight, very you know sick, out of shape. And then her after picture, very fit. Now, the woman that I was looking at was even more out of shape than her before picture back then. And she was re-signing up. And me and my brother, Keone, because we both worked at the same gym and went to medical school together, me and him worked with her for probably two years. And she really struggled. You know, she'd lose some weight, gain some weight, lose some weight, gain some weight. Then all of a sudden, we woke up one day, you know, like meaning three months later, and we just realized, damn, she was making progress and she wasn't slipping up. And a year after that, she's lean and has stayed lean for the entire year. And we became friends with this woman and we had a conversation. We were like, what happened? Like what happened? What made the difference for you to not ever go backwards. Now, remember, we were in medical school for six years, so we ended up knowing her quite a long time. And she said, you know what? It was you two. And we were like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, it wasn't the training that you were doing, and it wasn't the food that you were giving us. It wasn't anything like that. It was the fact that I remember Keone, my brother, coming in and talking to you, Jade, about a study he read of how kids, no matter uh, their age, when they're little, they eventually, as adults, adopt the eating habits of their parents. And she goes, and I was obese and my little child was over obese. She was a single mom raising a little girl who must have been four or five years old at the time. And, she, and for whatever reason, that was the beginning of her saying, I now have some meaning, some purpose. And it went beyond just her kid. Because remember, I oftentimes talk about meaning is something for, your, for people around you. Purpose is for the whole world. She thought to herself, not only can I help my, my uh, little daughter, but she will help other people and teach them how to be healthy and fit. And I can begin to teach my other fellow single mothers how to be healthy and fit. And that's what made the difference. She turned her struggle into purpose. So if you think this doesn't matter, it matters. When you have purpose and you then tie your physical fitness, health, uh, the way you look, function, feel, and live onto that, uh, you know, those goals around physicality and fitness, and you go, hey, look, this purpose this, this thing that I want to do in the world is going to be enhanced and accentuated by me being a healthy, fit, energetic person. All of a sudden, vanity concerns go away. You don't want to you know, lose weight to look good. You want to lose weight to be good, to be the change, to make a difference in people's lives. And when that happens, everything begins to change. And so, from my perspective, it's really about this perception orientation. What are we going to do with the stresses of life psychologically, both our own personal stresses and the cultural stresses that we encounter, which every single generation has had their own? So are you going to be the generation or an individual within this culture and this generation who makes us go backwards as humanity 
or drives us forwards? Are you going to be the one who demonizes and dehumanizes and calls Democrats or Republicans horrible people because they voted for a particular human? Are you going to become the thing you hate? You know, are you going to, you know, uh, attack one group just because your group was uh, oppressed for so long? Or are you going to say, I am going, not only are we going to lift my group up, but we're never going to let this happen to another group ever again. And we're going to start to make sure every individual has a shake. And we're not going to just go, you know, we want to put another group on top of the hierarchy. We're going to see ourselves as an ecosystem instead of trying to, you know, uh, hold another group down or get to the top just to push another group down. And the final thing I'll say here on this journey is that as we are living our personal lives and we're going through all these things and I'm presenting to you this orientation that perhaps we can use all of the bad to turn it into a stress through our orientations and our perceptions about getting stronger and being better to make the world a better place through purpose. If we can have purpose and we can see all the bad things that are happening to us and to the world as opportunities to grow and get better and be the good. If we can do that, then we have to realize there's two orientations to come at this. What it means is that I am a unique purpose potential. You are unique, a unique purpose potential. And what I mean by that is there's never been another Jade Tita on the planet, nor will there ever be. There will never be another person like you, nor has there ever been. And therefore, not only that, part of that uniqueness comes out of your unique experiences, your unique pain, your unique personality, your unique talents, the unique people who have influenced you, helped or hurt you. All of those things are incredibly unique to you. And part of the thing when you see people who get to a level of fulfillment, you will see that some of them are pushed by life and rise to the occasion and some of them are pulled by life, but they rise to the occasion. Right. You know what that's like. Right. You can either be pushed and go, okay, you're pushing me. It's time to go. I can see what life's telling me. Or you could be pulled and you could choose to be dragged. Right. Or you can get up and go, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to run right along with this. What I mean is that when some people are pulled, they fall on the ground and they let themselves be dragged. When some people are pushed, they let themselves fall over, over and over again. Other people, when they are pulled, they recognize they're being pulled and they follow that thread. They follow that current, right? When some people are being pushed, they recognize they're being pushed and they go, okay, I'm going to follow that thread. I'm going to follow that current. And so the trick for us humans, as we make this perceptual shift about the psychological difficulties we have in our lives and how we can orient them to them to make this a use stress to help us adapt psychologically to help grow us personally when we begin to recognize that we have to essentially say i can use all of what is happening to me in life if i'm being pulled and it feels like i'm not necessarily in control i will take control by getting up and going with it and just saying okay i'm gonna follow this current i'm gonna jump into the flow of it now if i'm being pushed and I'm feeling like, you know, I'm getting knocked around. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to fall into the current of this. I'm going to accept what happened to me. I'm not going to be the victim. I am going to own this. Not only am I going to own this, but I am going to use it. And once you begin doing that, life begins to look completely different to you. Now, I would, I would suggest and present, it's my hypothesis, that most people in the world oftentimes are being pulled or pushed 
And what we need to do to deal with stress and to create this stress buffer in the stress shield is to realize that, take ownership of it, and stand up and run alongside the thing that is pulling us. And to stand up and move back alongside the thing that is pushing us. And when we do that, we orient towards our purpose. We start to accept that we are the most powerful thing in the world, but also an insignificant thing in the world. And our only job here is to make sure that we are playing our role in the ecosystem. And in a very uh, simple way, that is purpose. That is what purpose is. And in the best way, that's how we combat stress. Thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast today, everybody. I will see you at the next episode.